So, welcome to Healers Around the Campfire, Circle 3. Opening circle for us today is Gina Tang. quantum fire, tuning together with our breath, with our courage, with our curiosity, and in this moment, dropping awareness down, down, down through the roots of all beings the core of the earth and connecting the breath to this center place. I call in all the ancestors, angels, guides, guardians, protective spirit energy, animal totems, crystals, mycelium, all of these networks holding and supporting us past, present, future, (sighs) totally and completely now. In this space, everything goes. (sighs) And we offer in prayer, in celebration, and in gratitude, our stories. Welcome to the campfire. I'm going to open the conversation with a poem now. This is an original poem that I wrote a few years back. I had a toddler running around my house. I had a baby in my belly and I was just feeling a lot. So it's called Emergent Acquisitions. Mm-hmm. Thank you. 
first time I merged my creative writing process with the task of caring for children, I got pulled over by the cops. Pushing a stroller through suburbia, stopping periodically to jot in my journal. Neighbors suspected I was casing their open garages. Somebody reported me. A squad car pulled up. I showed the officer I was taking notes on the nature of the human experience and he pulled away. But I was left with the distinct impression of not being trusted, wanted, valued, or accepted by my community as a mother because I look or act or sound different because I have cannabis or right, tattoos. It just uh, triggered some core wounds. As an adolescent, I heard the same tune. As an infant, I was left to cry alone in my room every night until I learned to shut it down tight. And all this damage to my root sprouted decades of dedicated self-destruction. In fact, the Miusi now is still under reconstruction. I've learned, however, to remove my hard hat, to step onto the scene in bare feet, heart open, to breathe myself home, Honestly, it's hard sometimes, but I keep doing it anyway. I've learned to get naked in front of other people, not because I want to touch their beautiful bodies, but because I want to honor the beauty in my own. Becoming a mother has taught me to look deeper into my body for its beauty, to look past the nicks and scratches and sags on the surface, to feel the power of surrender, the strength of vulnerability, and the wisdom of compassion. To listen with my inner ear, to see with my third eye, and to navigate with the tip of my crown. I'm learning to ground, to open the present moment as the precious gift that it is. And in this open space, to receive the richly rewarding experience of expanded conscious capacity for love and laughter and pain and fear, to be here with and forth and through it all. But sometimes I forget my intention, interrogate myself senseless, relentless. Sometimes I sort of crumple inside, maybe die a few times. It's hard to describe. Sometimes I have to take a time out just to tune in, find a comfortable position again. Give my gears a little grease and my wires a jiggle. Let the tension release and my toes start to wiggle. It feels so good because I care so much about people and family and community and such. I get excited when people speak out in their truth and show up completely regardless of who may be watching or judging or pushing or pulling. The things we carry get heavy, but many hands make light work. Let's pick up our tools and take out our pens, put down the goggles and focus this lens, put our light to work, illuminate the path ahead. One step, one choice, one breath at a time, writing to compose myself so I can read between the lines. 
being a mom or a wife or a friend or a sister, a partner, a dancer, a teacher, a builder, this journey of humanity, this having of a self at the end of the day, I don't know what else to do besides whip out my journal and jot a few. Notes, chords, bar lifter uppers, strategies, reminders, memos, instructions, formulas, acronyms, symbols, equations, sketches, and maps to internal destinations, capturing that which is wild, raw, and real, so it can help set me free, help me to feel. I love being here in this body with you, and I hope when you hear this, you love yourself too. Thank you for being with me. So much gratitude for mm. sharing that. Thank you so much. It's an honor to share. Mm. um, Writing, journaling, poetry, rhythm, these have been my primary practices. Um, When I was 21, well, maybe it starts sooner than that. When I was a kid, I was really into writing, and I would make Mm. books, and I would write my books, little author's note at the back of the book <laughs> just it was a very it was very clear that I was a writer as a child and then I went on with my life and adolescence happened and high school happened and all of the stories and programming and my Chinese father happened and the writing is not a thing it's not a career path and uh, yeah. you know but certainly you could be a doctor or a lawyer or a real estate agent those are all valid mm-hmm. um, so you know I just kind of was I struggled you know I didn't know why I was struggling but I was as an adolescent I was just in rage my dad was once I did to start express my own preferences like for example I don't always want to listen to their music I'd really like to listen to Guns N' Roses Nirvana Metallica and that was not good so he just started he he withdrew very suddenly just all approval all love Mm. and only shared kind of anger and disappointment energy just kind of me being myself was not not acceptable and then on the other hand my mom was very very micromanagerial paranoid and overbearing and so by the time I was 11 12 13 years old I was cutting into myself. I remember carving the words fuck you into my ankle with a paper clip. Mm-hmm. Um, just needing an outlet for the intense frustration and the anger that I felt. Mm-hmm. And uh, so from that point, 
And it was really kind of an interesting journey forward between being very high functioning academically and in other spaces, and then having really kind of deep seated escape mechanisms within myself. Mm-hmm. So I would not feel strong emotions. After I went through my angry, dark phase, I shut down everything. I was like, well, this is inconvenient. And then I, <laughs> and then I went forward feeling nothing. So mm-hmm. what that meant was that when I was in high school and my mom had a total mental breakdown and was hospitalized, I felt nothing. No one talked about it. My dad, there was no emotional processing in the family. It was just business as usual. But now I was stepping in to fill the role of taking care of my younger sisters. Mm-hmm. And then when I was 18, I got kicked out of my house completely onto the streets by my father. And I felt nothing. I just walked down the road with a duffel bag. And it wasn't until I was 30 years old that I even registered the first tear, the first sensation that that had been painful, mm-hmm. much less scary. So I've, wow. yeah, writing has been the the way. And, uh, and it opened up in me again, kind of spontaneously when I was 21 years old. At the time I was recreationally uh, smoking crystal meth and I was dancing mm-hmm. at a topless club <laughs> and I was just having a really nice time doing every, whatever I wanted every single day. Um, one night I woke up in a heat and just a fever feeling, but not a sick feeling. Intuitively, I went and grabbed a spiral notebook and I just started to write and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. I have no idea what, but it took the heat out of my body. It also established a new connection to something which I didn't understand at the time, but as I kept writing, because from that point forward I did, I was so captivated by the experience of the clarity that was coming through, things that I didn't know in my mind, but that as I was writing about it, leaning into it, it just made sense. It was I was coming to understand the nature of God, of relationships of the family, these different dynamics and institutions that had troubled me that I had been shutting down from, running away from, checking out of, just being like, well, forget it. I'm just going to go, you know, have a good time and kind of, but slowly destroy myself. (laughs) And then, um, but I kept writing and I kept writing and the more I did and the more I went forward with that conversation, that inner conversation and dialogue as my guiding directive through life, it just kept leading me toward layers of healing for myself. Um, When I got pregnant with my first daughter, I stopped all the drugs, all of the Mm -hmm. cigarettes, all of the everything, just cold turkey went up, done with that. And then layer by layer by layer by layer over the years with eating disorders, with codependent relationship patterning, with every, so many things. Um, yeah, the the most healing practice has been leaning into my own voice, but not my, this head space voice, but hmm. the deeper heart space voice and having a place for it to be heard. So. Oh, wow. Wow, I'm just just thank you for just being so transparent and just so so you. Um I think that's I mean I've I've known you for in terms of 
colonial time, a short time. <laughs> but uh, I think in terms of the cosmic level of understanding and, and like intertwined spiritual connection, I feel like we've we've known each other forever. We've we've met, we've danced, we've celebrated. Um, and just in what you've shared now, I, I there was things that I just never knew about you. Um, so what came to mind for me was how how well do we know one another and in that kind of curiosity it's how well do i really know myself you know um so that's really what was coming up for me as you were sharing i was like holy shit like i had no idea like you know i i I knew you were a powerhouse you i mean i just I, i your energy is just so amazing um and your ministry is so amazing and your writing and your just all of it um but I just, I, I saw a different level, like a different layer of, of Gina that I, that I never knew. Um, so thank you for just allowing that closeness and um, that intimate understanding. Um, so I'm really appreciative of that. So thank you so much. <laughs> mm. Gosh, it's mm. so, unlike you, one, I don't really, I don't really know you, Gina, you know, mm. um, but I've kind of, I've I've just been really called to your work as well. It's so beautiful and so much from the heart. Mm-hmm. And just hearing now from from you, your journey, and that's not even the whole. That's like in a nutshell, right? <laughs> so I always it just comes to mind like <sighs> healers have to go through so much mm. shit to then be able to offer gold you know it's like when you see someone who's really working with the light it really is I always think how much shit did you go through to Mm -hmm. offer what you offer it's Mm -hmm. like you need to know that world in different ways in a way where we're just trying to make it through trying to like you say strip layers trying to navigate just the day-to-day experience and and then the bigger circumstances and it's it's really tough at the time but it's afterwards you can see and now this qualifies me yeah Mm. you know yeah Yeah. it's, it's not it's not something that you really kind of want to um so like when i look at the things that like i offer it's only because I've been through so much, mm-hmm. you know? And so like when I'm hearing you, it's like, wow, the wounded healer, right? Absolutely. And the master composter. Because it, it, mm. it's the going through the shit, but it's really utilizing it and being able to mm. aerate it or incorporate it into the f- ground work of our lives that then supports whatever can grow from it on this like it 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 becomes part of it when we allow it and i it took a long time as well for me to get really comfortable i i went through years of just feeling really triggered about certain things to then figure out okay there's something i haven't resolved for myself there you know and to your point you know we don't volunteer sign up to go through these particular shit storms even though the richest compost lies within Mm. it or beyond it as we really dance in that space but for me the biggest example of that is motherhood 
Mm. I never imagined myself having kids, being uh, do- domestically. Uh, I will. T- I'm trying not to use the word enslaved, but that's mm. the word. That's what it feels like. Mm. Even though it's such a blessing and a gift, and of course, I love my children, but I would prefer to be traipsing through the woods, doing my thing, mm. making art, and having jam sessions yeah. relative to attending to the constant kind of griping and needs of young children who are so competitive even for airspace because there's girls two years apart my oldest is mm-hmm. 10 years older so she was a different category but it's all in the end what I'm understanding is that we come in with certain agreements in my case I'm the oldest of three girls Mm. I ended up with three daughters. Wow. I've volunteered to do the work in the generational healing Mm. for my family to address the tendencies, the patterns, the stories that my mom carried on that contributed to her breakdown that were reflective of her own mother who also had breakdowns. Mm. You know, and my father, his, they're just the different traits on, on both sides that I can feel in myself. I found them within me and then in real time as I'm walking this path of caring for my children and thinking about what environments to create with and for them that would meet my needs as well as theirs and break some of these patterns. It's not just emotional patterns around shame or anxiety. It's also the structural Format of single family households, mm. Mm. of outsourcing the children to institutional systems where they go by batch, by age batch through this very industrial complex of education. Mm-hmm. Um, mom is isolated at home because that's her role. Mm-hmm. Dad is out working in the world somewhere. Everyone is fragmented. And then we're supposed to sit together at dinner time and have a meaningful Mm. something, something, but nothing is really, there is no real connection. There's no real relationship there. It's always relating through the roles and the stories and ultimately the pressures, the expectations and the, and the challenges. No one's feeling at a nervous system level, like their deepest needs and desires are being met, much less acknowledged or even expressed. Mm. And even if on the outside, yeah, we have a roof over our heads, my dad makes a lot of money or something, these boxes that were being checked off, but ultimately equated to nothing. Hmm. And after 32 years of marriage, my parents separated, you know, and everyone is just doing the best that they can, but it, it all feels very fragmented still. So what I'm working on <laughs> now is a, the development of a nature school program here in San Diego that my children can attend that will be a comprehensive alternative to elementary school in the sense that it has the capacity to be a Monday through Friday full-time drop-off program and the curriculum integrates not just the academics but also ecology, earth stewardship, Mm -hmm. environmental sciences and also the social-emotional somatic awareness so those three parts together and then also there's training and education for parents 
and children together. So we're all immersively, and it's not compulsive for the parents, it's voluntary, but for anyone who does want to have a deeper understanding of their own story, their own nervous system patterning, Mm -hmm. how that impacts the relationship field that they navigate in, particularly with their children, uh, that how do we really come back into ourselves, learn and practice holding space together and yeah, moving moving through these layers of healing that really is, we're all doing it together. So looking at education and more through a more regenerative lens, whole systems mm-hmm. lens and creating something that can serve it the very least as an example or a proof of concept. Wow. <laughs> We can all go home now. (laughs) That's incredible. Like, my God, like, I'm curious, like, I mean, you've just shared a lot about your upbringing and, and as you were sharing, of course, these, these things were coming to mind about my own family and, and these kind of societal roles that we play and, and how they've stuck to me and, in my adulthood and how I'm still, uh, you know, unlearning and relearning and I want to say reprogramming. I don't like that word programming, but that's really, what's really what it is, you know? Um, and I think about, you know, I like myself, you know, I'm a, I'm an educator, I'm a teacher. And, um, you know, I, I see, I see the cycle. I see the patterns, uh, you know, when I sit in meetings with parents and with family and then I, you know, I project and see myself in them and I'm just like, Oh my goodness. Like this is, this is that industrial complex, this kind of machine that we are pushing people into the world. And um, I'm just really, really just humbled and, and again, grateful that you are in this space, mm-hmm. in this world. And and uh, I've had the privilege of meeting your little ones. So I just like, um, I just I just love that they are being guided and, and um, just heard and seen and nurtured in a way that uh, allows them to be who they are and to explore and be creative. Um, so I just, I thank you because I think, um, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a mother. I've never been a mother. I never will probably be a mother, <laughs> but, um, you know, that's an experience that I, I personally, um, don't have, you know, and, um, I'm just so just amazed at the essence of women and the beauty that they create and hold in life and give life. Um, so just a, it's just a different I feel like I'm in a different space today in this circle because I feel like I just want to just learn from, <laughs> from from the women here and just that energy because I'm just you know suck um, it up yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly so it I is a specific it. nutrient mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's kind of like um yeah just holding that kind of beacon of light where mm-hmm. the tide is so strong in the other direction it's so strong it, trying to really ensure that children have a healthy alternative but it's not just an alternative you are also fighting a tide of the outside world that is the hard I found that's the hard work you can have an alternative but fighting what is seen as like mainstream and then also daring to be different and holding on to a sense of integrity and harmony within yourself when really you get angry 
you know, you just get angry at the way things are and how it is. It's I it's I find it hard. My children are older. Sorry, one. It's going to be a mum time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, but my children are like, um, my children are teenagers. So my daughter is 18 this year and my son is 19 this year. And that tide is so, so strong. And I just feel like when I was that age, I found it hard, you know, let alone it's a different world now, even more, you know. Oh, devastatingly so for children, uh, for young people. I was just, I was just like, oh. I remember when I was doing my A-levels. And so, oh, I, don't, I don't know in terms of grades or... <laughs> the educational system in America so I would have been like 17, 18 and um, so it's whatever level that is then and I just remember doing something on the climate and acid rain right so that's in 88 it's 1988 and um, yeah so it's in 1988 and I was just so devastated then I was so so devastated about what was going on in the world and and like if it was now like a child of that age adults of that age dealing with what's going on just in the world I just feel like gosh it's kind of sane to shut down does that absolutely absolutely it's like that's full on that's like it's I find it hard then like I find it really hard then and I'm like like now God, even now oh my gosh you know it just like I kind of like this sense of you creating this amazing community it's so beautiful but I find so much comfort in being like a hermit I do mm -hmm. I really really do um, I find that really I just sometimes when I step out I see so much beauty but I also see how fucked up the world is and I find that really um, yeah it, it just brings me to tears you know and I and trying to ensure there's a sense of hope you know for, especially for the for the for those ages as well you know yeah. That is a really big challenge and something I've been really doing for the last two weeks, like on a really regular basis, like checking in so many times a day is just praying. And um, as soon as I wake up and every meal time and before I go to sleep and I was doing it before, but there's it's something shifted inside. It's a real kind of like I don't know I just feel a really deeper level of handing over like there's things that it's like with like my son and daughter there's different things that they're moving through as well and it's very much knowing that I've done as much as I can and then actually mm -hmm. continuing with that but also handing it over to a higher source that's really been really big for me this like it's like I'm taking my child and do, done everything I can and I'm saying 
I'm handing my child over to you, God, Lord, like, please watch over because I need to, I also need to let go of that grief that I have for them. Yeah. Because it's massive. It's, it's really hard. It is massive. And I'm glad you said that word grief, because that's also been present for me in recognizing all that is not working well, right? Like Mm. before COVID, 54% of children in the United States are living with a chronic illness before COVID. I mean, and now the mental health crisis for adolescents, it's 49.5% of adolescents have a mental health disorder at some point in their lives already by then a disorder. That means a a debilitating Mm -hmm. impact. And this is not how we're wired. Postpartum and depression are practically synonymous. This is not, I mean, we're normalizing disease and just medicating everyone. And I look at this and I look at how, what that means for, I mean, I could create a little sanctuary around my children, but they're still moving through this world. They're not, I'm not able to separate them from their feeling. And the more open and receptive they are, the more impacted they will be by the reality and so there is just so much grief and before i even get to the part where i can surrender and release to spirit anything before i get to the part where i have hope about a thing i first have to just release it grieve mm-hmm. because the pain is real and the sense of loss is real of safety of security of a sense of everything is okay if that's gone there's a lot of just grief that that things are the way that they are and I think that we don't give space for that. We are very good at just maybe acknowledging that things are not working and then going about fixing it or doing what we can. And you know, we don't we don't really grieve. Even in the United States when people die, we don't really have a, if people might choose to take some space for themselves. But other cultures, like in Jewish culture, you sit Shiva, you sit for a week. You, no one leaves the house. The fa- you stay together. Time stops. There's not this expectation that you just go on as business as usual. You just go to work the next day. You're just moving through. And I know when I've been in intense grief and it, then I just have to keep going through my day and doing quote unquote usual things, the sense of disconnection is mm-hmm. almost traumatizing. It's it's so... Mm-hmm. <sighs> I mean, sometimes it can feel, it's so big, especially when we're so sensitive, that it's like a full-time job to grieve. It's not just the seven days or the 40 days, you have 40 days as well. It's so, and sometimes with life, you're hit with one thing after another, after another. And I think I've just just recently I just so I um my my brother my younger brother um he was diagnosed with terminal cancer rare um, kidney cancer in 2017 and he came to live with me and I was his full-time care for two years around two years and then he passed which is really really hard you know, and and I was thinking before that, just before that, I, I had got divorced, 
and that was in 2015 and I was just getting my feet back on you know just like when you leave your village when you leave you kind of like with Asian communities when you get divorced you say you you don't everything that 17 years before relationships they're just cut you're just cut out you know and um, massive grief lost basically what was my family more than my blood family that makes sense Mm -hmm. so I just realized like the last two years and it's not even two years he passed away in 2019 so like it's coming up to three years in um, end of March that sense of that just your own grief forget the grief of the world (laughs) just your own stuff you know is it's it's it has been three years of like a decompression and it's felt like a fucking full-time job you know and but the beauty of that has been the creativity and everything else but seriously like I really feel this recently I just felt like I'm shifting into a different acceptance of it and there's still grief but it's it's not like it's so 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 overwhelming I'll have my moments but it's it's not so overwhelming but as soon as you merge then I think that's I think me being a hermit isn't actually I'm hiding from something it's the sanest thing to do <laughs> it's the yeah. it's been the sanest yeah. thing for me to do because I would have lost it I'd yeah. you know this oh, it's it's a valid strategy yeah. that kicks on as because self-preservation I mean we have these instincts at a subconscious level that activate if something is going to be too much mm. and this is why children disassociate this is why I didn't feel any pain when I when my dad said pack your bags I'm having the locks changed in the morning mm. yeah it's a strategy it is actually a it's intelligent in the sense that it is working in our favor it's Mm -hmm. really it's it's serving us but also it's serving for that period of time and sometimes these strategies become stories or they crystallize into ways of living that ultimately create isolation either emotional or Mm -hmm. physical so what's the balance how do we how do we grieve full time (laughs) You know, how do we retreat and create a space for ourselves where we get to set the tone so that we do feel free and without this burden of everything out there kind of pressing in, just the noise level, Mm. the static, especially if you live in a city. Ah! What are the practices that are so grounding and so cathartic that we can do a two years worth of grieving because it isn't necessarily the time full time it's the depth Hmm. so what can be so cleansing so purging so uh, what is the alchemical formula for each person Mm -hmm. each person finds their own way through but there are these tools that we encounter especially if we're leaning into it that can really yeah, absolutely. The fire of transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, to let the things burn away and 
and to trust that process, the dying off process again and again and again and again, so that what is real will rise again and again and again and again. And just like the throwing of noodles at the wall to see what sticks, you know, in these past few years, a lot of us, because of everything that has gone on in the world, a lot of our noodles that were on the wall before slipped to the ground. And we were all standing around like, oh, no, my job, my this, my best friend, my mother, my, you know, all of the, it's just in a big pile. And so from there, then it's recalibrating. Okay, well, what's real now? You know, what's still with me? And when we grieve or we go through the fire, then those it shakes off mm. whatever dead weight, dead leaves, old stories, ideas, strategies, things we don't need now. And I think what's happening now, what it feels like is that there are circles like this one happening everywhere where the thing to do is just to show up. You, Kamala, don't have any more, quote-unquote, work to do to be ready enough. You, Juan, don't have anything else to do to be ready enough. I don't have any more work to We're going to continue to do our work because that's what we do. But we're already enough already. And now by coming together, we're more than the sum of our parts. We fly in formation and we can transmute our grief individually. We can hold space to... Mm compost the collective energy we form these sacred shapes together and we activate something that's so beyond any one of us that when we're alone and what we feel that we carry is so heavy but when we circle up like this that same weight is distributed differently and it moves differently it it, it obeys different thermodynamic laws (sighs) so it's really the these these circles are Mm. simple and profound we're kind of talking I'm just yeah just feeling I was going to place my hand on my on my chest and the other one on my belly I just need some containment and I'm just kind of just holding myself and I've been doing that a lot just being there for myself Mm -hmm. I've got something on my fridge and I've called it a heart chart so there's like a big well, A4 piece of paper and it's got a big heart drawn on there and every time I'm kind of kind to myself or I do something that's really nourishing and it could be the smallest thing like just drinking my lemon water in the morning or going for a swim or just like now I'll give myself a heart for just like putting my hand on my heart mm-hmm. <laughs> and on my belly because mm-hmm. like I was like containing myself or um, if I if I kind of notice the sun on my face I'll put a heart in there and then I've done another um, another piece of paper and it's got a big round circle two eyes and a, and a frown 
and anytime I kind of do something that really isn't in alignment with bringing me into a nurturing space, I'll put a heart in there. It's a heart because basically mm. I'm trying to help myself, but I've probably not used the most healthiest way to do that. So even though it's like a frown, it's like you were trying. You were just probably using an old mechanism that worked before. So I give myself a heart there. And if and if I then like beat myself up about something, do you know, like if I decided to eat a whole bar of chocolate <laughs> because I'm grieving for the world. <laughs> As one does. <laughs> I'm doing it for the world. <laughs> Taking one for the team. <laughs> so what I will do is then, and then I'm, I'm like, <laughs> why the fuck did you eat that chocolate? You know, it's like all of the, like the negative stuff. Mm. Um, then I'll, if I like just stop, and I will just do what I'm doing right now with my hand on my heart and one of my like sacral or my belly just being kind, like soothing that inner critic, that kind of mm. shame on top of what's happened. And then when I do that, just bringing that kindness to myself, I'll then put a heart in the heart chart because I then kind of moved into a practice or just a deep sense of compassion for myself. So... I've been like monitoring these two like charts, yeah. <laughs> I was like a kid. I'm just like so excited. Yeah. Like I want to fill up the heart chart, <laughs> and it's like I know I'm like 48, yeah. and I'm like I just want to fill it up. It's and brilliant. It's it so is. good, and, and like like you can draw bigger hearts if you if you think it was something big, and you can use colors. And, and what I was doing, what I was noticing, because you know, like with all kids, they kind of figure out how can they get more stickers, right? Yes. So what I did was I noticed. Like, if I don't do the bad things, I kind of like getting more on the heart chart. Like, I don't have to cancel them out. Because if I do something bad, you know, air quotes, I then have to do two good things in my head. That's what I've been doing, right? So then I thought, it was like day three, and I thought, why don't you just stop the bad things? I was like, <laughs> that's so much easier to gain hearts that way. <laughs> just like, I just, it was just so, like, obvious. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do that. So... I think it's being able to see it, being able to tangibly see it rather than kind of keeping a score in my head or mm -hmm. if there's, and dealing with the shame there and then, you know, rather than just putting it away or just not thinking about it. It's all of the stuff or even the stuff that isn't the healthiest option becomes a chance to bring deep compassion towards myself. Mm. It started to help me go a little bit deeper with the people in my life as well knowing ah oh, they're just trying to soothe themselves or help themselves but it's probably not the healthiest way you know and um but i don't have to then say that's not very healthy i'll just kind of like you know make it worse for them so i'm just kind of like they'll find their way and i just kind of talk about my heart chart and um yeah i just had fun with that it's it's just a, a lovely way to yeah for me to monitor yeah what's kind of like that. going on i love um, i might adopt that heart chart yeah yeah i'm going to do it too yeah yeah <laughs> i've kind of like i did a little recording for it on the um on, on my app that i'm creating and i was kind of setting it out and i was just like it's i mean you can do the 
the cheap version of when you just kind of like draw but you can put stickers in there but you know <laughs> but, so there's so many ways <laughs> of doing this yeah. but I think I love that because it's a gathering exercise you know you're gathering that energy you're gathering the self-care you're gathering that sense of compassion mm-hmm. but there's that part of me that you know wants to achieve so I thought okay I'm going to use that part of me that's there mm-hmm. anyway in a positive way so I, I'm really I'm just enjoying it and I've been I've been talking about it a lot actually <laughs> to a lot of people and they're like yeah that sounds like fun I'm like yeah and they're all you know so-called adults we like to call ourselves <laughs> so-called yeah. i remember in child development behavior modification charts oh, this is, mm-hmm. are a thing aba yeah yeah so this is the classic behavior modification chart but what's mm-hmm. awesome is that instead of calling it a behavior modification chart which is very tedious sounding it's a heart chart which rhymes makes you feel happy when you say it or hear it is more fun to talk about how could like just the heart chart as soon as you said it the first time it made me happy and every time you Mm. say it since it makes me happy it's just these little things matter it's not silly it's it's real yeah i think it's the small things isn't it it's the smallest Mm. things that can make a change in your day in your outlook that's what i've gone smaller quieter i think that's like the more changes i'm seeing i think like from the last circle we had natalie on there and she was talking about prayer and i did anyway and i was talking about it earlier and i feel like that's really made a massive a massive change as well i just feel like there's this building on going deeper Mm -hmm. i'm not working alone yeah really integrating and really acknowledging i'm not working alone Mm -hmm. you know and like I, I like to say, like when I do feel that deep sense of, say, overwhelm, I do have like I used to have like um, strategy meetings with myself. So I'd have different parts of me mm-hmm. that would sit around the table, like the roles, like the role of a mum, the, ro- the the mm-hmm. you know the person who's running the business, the housekeeper, right? So there's all these different parts of me, and there's like Call just the, the one. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was this called committee. It was called the committee of the mind. I wrote a play about it, but there's this. So they had all this, and what I do is I listen to each one, you know. So I'd listen to the housekeeper was brilliant because she used to lose her shit saying the house is a mess. I can't sort this out. Nobody listens to me. No one's got time. All this mm. other stuff is, you know, more important. So I talked to her and I said, "Yeah, I totally get you." and um, we're going to do something about that and listen to her and said, you're right. You know, and then I listened to the mum. She's always stressed out. <laughs> She's like, All my staff are like so stressed out. <laughs> they're like, oh. yeah, I, first they like tell me, first I tell them they're doing such a great job and then they tell me like how stressed they are or what's going on and what can we change. And it was always interesting. So I'd, I would I did this for about six months, about four years ago. I would have like a, a meeting with everyone, and it was just really interesting to see how many conflicting things there were. Like, say the one who is um, like focus was to bring in money. You know, she like the housekeeper is so pissed off with her because she's just wants to like make sure they're secure, and she's pissed off with the housekeeper saying, "I need to make the money." So 
can you see the internal dynamic was massive it's like mm-hmm. all these conflicts and cross currents that were happening you know and um yeah if i just kind of like really recognize i think it's cross currents these cross currents mm-hmm. within us it's, it's like we're aiming for one thing as well and then there's something else that has a different direction mm-hmm. and that like i said there's like some massive world going on inside of us mm-hmm. True. <laughs> like yeah. and then when you like then look outside the world and see every single person has that <laughs> yeah mm. everyone is a microcosm for the macrocosm yeah, yeah. and see. and there's a lot there's a there's just a lot going on yeah yeah <laughs> mm. yeah the surface looks so like put together well for the most part you know sometimes we can sometimes, easily yeah. make ourselves you know appear to be having it all you know our ducks in a row or however you want to put it or frame it but then it's like yeah you mentioned these cross currents these microcosms that are continuing to 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 flourish and 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 be in interconnection with one another and conflict with one another and it's like but it's also at least how i see it is also necessary for our existence to really mm-hmm. like step into who we really are like and to address it you know like you you, yeah. with, you did kamala with your with your meetings with your house meetings <laughs> right <laughs> yeah because this is the stuff this yeah. is the conflict and the tension and the dissonance it's mm. it is the edge of in other words the if it was all just one way, if everything was moving in the same direction, then not one thing would be aware of itself mm. in a sense. There would be no contrast to create the the separation mm. that then mm-hmm. creates the clarity of what's what, that then creates an experience at all. Like we come not for, uh, I mean, when, in other words, that if we're here on this plane, in this dimension, navigating the human thing, which is a very complex, chaotic dissonant situation for it just is and it has been it has been for a very long time so this is what it is and if if within that we can find the things that bring peace Mm -hmm. not that the goal is to be at peace all the time but just to be able to pull from within the chaos these nuggets or polish these bits or share something beautiful it's it's that much more meaningful because of the contrast in which it sits mm. and we're that much more aware of it then too so we have that much more appreciation for it we can lean into it more it's celebrate it more it just creates more of a rich experience it's you know i feel i figure i could i'll have all the peace when i'm dead <laughs> but this is obviously what i came here for for now not to just have calm, smooth seas, although that would be nice. And there's a part of my inner counsel that is just always very side-eyeing at everything else because it's just so much fluff. Mm. And you know, there's a part of me that just craves peace all the time. Uh, but making peace with the fact that peace is not always what's happening. And just moving also from freedom then too, to be in my own edges and to have the dissonance within myself that exists freedom for all of that to be exactly where and how it is at any given moment rather than adding another layer of something 
because I'm really angry or I'm really tired or I'm not coping in the best way or I'm going back to a default strategy that is not really adding energy into my bank account ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've still, I can always look back and say, well, I've come a long way. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And just keep moving forward. And just keep yeah. moving forward. It's, it's really fun to watch the journey in my kids, for example. My oldest, who's 16, whew, she's all up in the social media, all up in the phone, all up in the makeup and the nails. She's mm. tethered to her boyfriend. She's her Instagram. I will occasionally, I think I'm going to unfollow her because I will get her latest Instagram post will pop up on my feed and it's just some picture of her making sexy porn faces at the camera <laughs> and it makes me physically ill it makes yeah. me literally oh. nauseous yeah you know and her yeah. body which is beautiful and voluptuous and barely covered <laughs> almost mm-hmm. all of the time mm-hmm. like this hypersexuality matched with uh, oof it's very it feels really really dangerous you know it's mm. It, we had this going on before, but not to the degree that we do now. It's oh, no. so amplified because of social it's, media that you take something. Massive. Yeah, it just and I, I, my, my nervous system goes on edge because yeah. I don't want her to go down the roads <laughs> that I very clearly see unfolding at her feet, but which no amount of forewarning on my part will deter her. Actually, mm-hmm. I it have, makes it worse. It makes it, it worse. Yeah, it absolutely makes it worse. And the last thing I want to do is alienate her, make her feel like I'm just judging her. And then she's not <laughs> going to tell me anything at all. She's not going to come to me when she needs help. You know, so it's a very <sighs> fine it's a very fine line. I um see my daughter's 17 at the moment, so we're kind of like at that same age. She'll be 18 at the end of the year. And um I've just realized so much of my own conditioning. Like my parents were they still are (laughs) they didn't change (laughs) and so my parents are Indian and I just realized all of my stuff that was coming up like I wasn't allowed to do so many things like Mm -hmm. like makeup or like even like short skirts or cleavage none of that so when Sienna is just being Sienna that's my daughter and she's and I'm like I can I I turn into this older Indian woman, you know. It comes out. I, I have to like check myself. I have to check myself. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, you. I, I think I even my parents don't have an accent, but it comes out. I think I must have watched a film or something. And I'm like, suddenly you don't dress like that, you know? I'm like, really, it's really kind of comes out. And I'm like. And I've actually said Indian girls don't dress like that. I I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. You know, I said it in my head. I didn't Mm -hmm. say it out loud. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what the fuck is coming up to be healed now for me? (laughs) You know? Yeah. What is coming up? And I was like, whoa, like all of that conditioning. And then, like, we've talked about, like, I've explained. And she understands, like, my, you know, my kind of conditioning as well. And they're not around. Like, we, we live in Wiltshire and and she's we're near Bath as well there's there's not any Indian people well very 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 small mm-hmm. percentage you know 
and like it's like you know like when you go somewhere and you and then you see an Indian person and you and you both want to go hi <laughs> you know like, you're like oh my god there's another Indian like you, you look at each other like with a secret like yeah we're both Indian aren't we yeah, it's, like kind of, it's that kind of like there's no one around and I kind of forget my color until I kind of like somebody might look at me strange or and then I notice oh my god I'm brown <laughs> you know, like, I just notice I'm brown that must be it, you know it's quite funny I forget so trying to well Sienna all of like she hasn't got any Indian friends because there are no other like you know so there are no other Indian friends to have that kind of cultural mm-hmm. understanding of what it's like to have parents that were born here but they've still been brought up in, in, in a with Indian parents who did live in India and they came over here and so it's that kind of I'm just finding a lot of conditioning. That's the thing that happens. <laughs> All this conditioning is noticing that it's there. And also, I'm just a fierce mom. It's like, it's, it's I, I didn't realize how bad I am. Like, I really, you know, I've always known how bad I am, but I'm having to check myself because I just want to wrap them up and let them go nowhere, mm. you know? And it is really, I actually remember when my son, when he was about seven, he was playing rugby. Um, so it's probably like American football rugby is like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And um, so fierce and protective that once when he was being tackled, I nearly ran on the pitch and my friend held me back. So I was like, get off my son. I was like, really? <laughs> and I just realized like they're growing up, like you yeah. just have to like now be there for them when they need you, you know, and just hope that they're making the right decisions and that they will find a way and that you're around and like i said pray (laughs) (laughs) yeah pray pray as fiercely as you do anything else if not more so yeah yeah absolutely it it's it's hard letting go like we're talking about these micro deaths so we kind of talked about grief in the the Mm -hmm. first circle as well but there's it's a constant there's a constant rebirth so there's a constant death of things yes you know even i was sitting at my desk and i was i was working on a lot of uh, on the app and i just realized how much i've changed and i just had a moment i just cried because i missed my brother because i wanted to share it with him and it was just Mm -hmm. like i'm not the same person that was around when he was around i even i've changed now and that made me quite sad like certain things that wouldn't bother me um they don't bother me and i was just sad for that losing that kind of part of me that felt in that way like i become harder mm. do you know you become harder mm-hmm. you become softer but you also become harder it's like you have stronger boundaries mm-hmm. there's really strong boundaries but inside there's still that kind of there's that deep deep softness that deep vulnerability Mm -hmm. yeah and I was just thinking like it's like the children are changing my parents are getting like older they're not they're like in their 70s but they're it's like they're getting older but they don't know they're getting older Mm -hmm. and uh, you know and I was just thinking this week it's like so many levels it's everywhere (laughs) the children the parents the world (laughs) 
and you're just mm-hmm. trying to hold it all together to just mm. show up the best that you possibly can for every single person and uh and i think what i've learned just a nice little reminder was you know again it's such a simple novel idea but it's at least in my own idea of understanding it's the last thing i do most times is show up for myself and mm. you know creating that heart chart or just using more kind expressions to to say one it's okay like it's okay that you can't be there with your dad today um your sister's got it you know um mm-hmm. it's okay that you want to call off this week because you are so emotionally exhausted from your work and these kids and the immense amount of political pressure to be a California teacher and special education. And it's like, you know, and it's like, but then again, I start to like, feel like this, this inner critic and it's like, okay, well, all that is, is telling me that I need to take a time out. It's really my mm-hmm. body is saying is one, you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like, like you said earlier, Gina, it's like, it's like almost like we, you didn't use these exact words, but for me, what comes up is like the more I acknowledge that I need this, the more I I'm fighting this other parallel of like, you should feel bad for needing that, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, just trying to find that, that to silence that critic. Yeah. Um, and just know that, you know, the world's still going to spin, whether I'm there spinning it along with it, or, <laughs> um, you know, um, it is what it is. Like, um, so just going to do my best to just kind of take what we've learned today from both of you. I really, really enjoyed actually, to be honest, just watching this conversation with two mothers mm-hmm. and, and um, this wisdom and this kind of part that I, um, that I don't have, you know, that I, that I have, I can witness and that I've been very um, fortunate and grateful to be in community, like, you know, in my community with my mom and, and the matriarch and just kind of that society where women hold it together and women are the ones that create and pretty much are our guidance you know through all of our life and um, so I've always seen that in terms of the model of my mom and my grandma and it's interesting tomorrow is actually going to be um, you know the anniversary of my grandma's passing tomorrow Mm. Uh, so there's a lot you know in terms to just to be grateful for but at the same time just in terms of that grief and that missing and that longing and um, there's just a lot you know and just being like okay like I'm not where I was last year when it was her year anniversary and now it's her second year anniversary mm. uh, tomorrow. And, and I think, okay, well also just this past week was the three year anniversary of my great grandmother passing. So it's like every year we've lost, you know, a matriarch and it's like, mm. and I see my mom and I'm like, okay, she's, she's, she's fully able-bodied, you know, she's, her mind's still there. And I was like, don't you pull any shit on me, lady. <laughs> yeah, you are not excused. <laughs> no, it's just one of those things where I'm like, you know, I'm just, um, just reminding myself to, to be a, a receiver of, of knowledge and to be an observer um, and to not always have to be a doer. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've learned a lot from this this session today, just kind of being in space with you two. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just um, when you're talking about the when you're talking about the year, like the the, the inner critic that cross mm-hmm. says that current, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes it's very faint, and sometimes the volumes turned up, and. Um, 
and the reason why I've got all these things is because I've been working on the app and they're all in the app. So I'm kind of like, oh, um, cheerleader, right? Mm. So mm -hmm. cheerleader is when you, you really get in touch with your own cheerleader and all the positive things where you have made it and you are amazing and you do all the amazing things. So actually creating that list when you're in a good mood, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So you, you open it up when you go back to it and a playlist, mm. a playlist of songs that are cheerleading you you know i've really found that so helpful to kind of remember that so when the volume of one comes up you mm. know it's not to drown it out acknowledge that oh these are all patterns and mm -hmm. acknowledge them bless them mm -hmm. yeah and then like okay but now you did that because basically the highest version of you is actually the cheerleader you're saying those things because you want me to do better but let's kind of let let's go to the upgraded version mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and um that's the the cheerleader in us and i feel like that's yeah i just feel like happy just like yeah someone i've got like a version of like 10 of me doing cheerleading with pom-poms <laughs> you're doing great you're fucking brilliant yeah you can do this take the rest you know it's like yeah, yeah. i'm like yeah could you imagine like you're like surrounded by and you're walking through your day and you've got your cheerleaders around you That's yeah brilliant what a great squad. way to yeah. yeah yeah a squadron of support supportive <laughs> energies <laughs> yeah. yeah and it's just that i just kind of like that's really been yeah very uplifting and actually that's really good with the dealing with the grief as well it's mm. really let myself feel the grief but also it's like look at all the amazing things that you're doing as well yeah and mm -hmm. um yeah that's there so but yeah I just thought I'd share cheerleader. Yeah. <laughs> I love cheerleader. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> I have wow. one more poem that I'll share as we mm. start to close. It kind of mm. captures a lot of what we've talked about. Mm -hmm. um, mm. And it's short. And I wrote it on the dance floor. Uh, mm -hmm. after a friend of mine who was very, very, very involved in this particular dance community passed away uh, from cancer. Mm -hmm. And this was the dance that was in his honor. They were using a playlist that he had created. So it was his playlist that we were moving mm -hmm. with. Um, and so within that space, I was just connecting with him and... And likewise, he was also one of the only other Chinese people in that community. So kind of like what you were describing, we were like, hey, there's another Indian person. Hey, over there. You know, I, I have that, sometimes that same experience. <laughs> um, but I felt very connected to him. He was very special to me, this man. Um, so the poem is called Freedom. And I like to say that we co-wrote it. Hmm. I asked my friend who had recently passed away What is freedom? 
Here's what he showed me. Freedom is feeling without borders. Freedom is faith in disorder. Freedom is the capacity to compost your shit. Freedom is failing for the fun of it. Freedom is permission to drop out of your mind. Freedom is moving to unwind. Freedom is needing something and saying so. Freedom is leaving when it's time to go. Freedom is forgiveness and abundant grace. Freedom is knowing that nothing about you needs to change. Freedom is every flower, rock, and tree. Freedom is who we came to be. walk gently forward. <laughs> gentle with ourselves. Gentle with each other. May we ask for as many pauses as we need to keep breathing with our whole body throughout the day. grateful for this time and this safe space. <laughs> oh, such good medicine to be with you both. Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you, Kamala. 
gosh, thank you. I feel kind of really, I just feel really open and I'm just allowing myself to, to <laughs> that it's okay to feel like that because I'm in good company. Yeah. Yes, we have our big hug around the fire <laughs> as we close. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you want to share first, Juan? Oh, no, I'm just, uh, I think I've said enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, again, I'm just so grateful. Um, just for both of you and Gina, thank you so much for just your continued, just your continued light, your continued friendship, and um, your continued vision at creating spaces um, that go beyond this static plane um, and that integrate healing and integrate, integrate regenerative wealth and knowledge for the generations to come. And I think that's just, it's incredible. So thank you for your work and for your ministry. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for thank you for being on this earth at this time. Thank you. And thank you for having gone through that stuff so that you can offer your medicine. Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you, Juan. Yeah, I'm just feeling like really Yeah, such an honor to sit in circle with you both. Mm. Should we have a hug? Bring it in. Bring it in. Bring it in, family. Big hug. Cosmic hug. The quantum embrace. Yeah, the quantum embrace. Yeah, we'll just leave the kind of fire sand open for people to just offer what they want to into the fire what they want to release to offer their prayers of transformation what it is they're calling in mm. until next time yeah mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.